Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And uh, we have a very special guest on the Nerd Association today. We're taking a little bit of a break from spooky season. I know we talked about horror last week, and we're going to be talking about horror next week. But we wanted to uh, take a pause to dive into the topic that we'll introduce in a moment. First, though, our special guest tonight, my father-in-law, Charles Williams. Uh, We call him Charlie, and Charlie is newly retired from how many years in the funeral industry? Uh, I'd say 44. Thanks for uh, joining us on Retired Time and uh, talking about our very special topic tonight, of which you are a big fan. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, what do you think of when I say... A martini, shaken, not stirred. I was just going to say, though, for some reason, the thing that comes to mind now is the uh, how much effort the Kingsman movie put into making him say he wanted a martini uh, stirred. And I think it was gin as well, just so they could be like, it's not that movie. It's a <laughs> different spy movie. Yeah, that's uh, if you have to put that much in. Um that much effort into differentiating yourself, right? <laughs> I just came up with uh, Sean Connery. I mean, for me, that 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 line, I just associate with him. I mean, it's familiarized in the other Bond films, but my memory is, you know, Sean Connery uh, insisting on being uh, it being shaken, not stirred. Well, and I, I made sure to deliver it with his uh, very particular Scottish brogue. Right. And everything, every ash has to have an H behind it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so no, with, with Bond 25, uh, No Time to Die just coming out, also marking the end of Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond, we thought it would be appropriate tonight, or today, whenever you're listening, to talk about who the best Bond is. We previously did an episode where we talked about who the best Batman is, which is to say the best actor to portray that role. And so tonight, as we're you know recording, we're going to talk about who we think the best Bond is. Charlie, we brought you on uh, not just because you're a sterling conversationalist, but because I know you have a long-seated love for the Bond series. How long have, do you think you've been watching Bond movies? I remember being in the theater to watch Live and Let Die, and I think that was in the early 70s. And of course, I remember, you know, Sean Connery as Bond before that, but I, I would, if I had to say... A key, taking a keen interest, it would definitely be when Roger Moore was introduced as Bond with Live and Let Die. A very good a very good place to start. And would you say you've seen all the films? I want to say I have. I did not see, I was doing a little research for this, I'll be honest, because I didn't want to <laughs> come off as inept, but I did not see David Niven as James Bond. Very good. That's a good deep cut. Uh <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute because there's a bit of controversy about uh, a couple of the Bond films, right? Right, right. And and I don't remember. I didn't see. I saw George Lazenby play Bond, uh, but I think it was either on a, a video or on 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 television late night. But I never saw it in the theater. So what about you, Chops? Uh, I would say my real first foray into James Bond movies, I saw Casino Royale in theaters when I would have been in sixth grade and I, I liked it. I remember thinking it was too long, even at that time. And I still hold that opinion. That movie has like, it has like three or four parts where like it could just end there and then it just keep, it, it keeps going a few times. But yeah, so Daniel Craig was my introduction to it and, uh, the, the Pierce Brosnan ones stand out to me as like, I remember those coming out, but I never really saw them. So it, when Casino Royale came out is when I first started uh, watching James Bond at all. Yeah, I, I remember watching the Pierce Brosnan films. That was probably my introduction to Bond with Goldeneye. And as we've talked about on this podcast before, th- I played the Goldeneye video game on Nintendo 64. <laughs> and that yeah. was the one that kind of got me interested and then watching the films but then have since gone back. And I I can't say that I've watched all of them, but I've certainly watched, I would say, the greatest hits. Because as we all three can admit, whatever your 
your sort of exposure to the Bond series is. There are a few, there are some stinkers in there as much as there are some real gems. Yeah, I, I think when when Mark was talking about how long Casino Royale is, from my perspective, all the Bond films are long. But I can remember as a teenager watching them and thinking how great these movies are that they weren't short. Yeah, you know, I think I, I want to say the average uh, movie. Uh, was what you know, ninety minutes, eighty, eighty, eighty something to ninety-five minutes, and and the Bond films, man, the opening sequence alone, you couldn't miss it, and and of course that added to the the overall length of the film. But uh, I I loved it, I, you know, I love the fact that you know you were getting your money's worth. It's interesting you would say that because just last episode we were talking about how like the length of different media and how much that's changed over the years. And in that case, we were talking about television shows and then sort of reference movies. But I find it sometimes is a pleasant surprise when a movie is just 90 minutes, when that's all it has. There's a lot to James Bond movies, you know, with all everything going on with the spy gear and different locations. And then there's the Bond girls and stuff like that. So it does fill up its runtime. At least I don't think a Bond movie needs to be. 90 minutes long, but I, it, it's funny how that, uh, that seems to have flipped because I feel like every movie now wants to be two hours and 15 minutes long. And sometimes it's okay to chop off a half hour of a movie. Yeah. I think the, the one of the problems with the bomb films though, is that uh, if you're a fan of bond, you, you want the time to revisit uh, the characters, especially um, Q, um, right. you know, it, it, it's getting into the lab and seeing the, the supporting actors test firing against dummies with a variety of projectiles. And it just it just adds, adds to the aura of the character of James Bond, you know. And you need the, the sexy car. You need the expensive watch. There's usually a pen that does something, you know, that hasn't quite been tested enough yet. Yeah. There are a lot of these tropes that exist. And the warning of not to, not to break anything, you know, is is an is inevitable in all the films. You know, please, James, you know, bring these back. To, you know, it it just adds. I can see where, from my perspective, you need those scenes just to entertain the variety of viewers. I'll add in too. You need the scene. He needs to be in a tuxedo or a suit in some sort of swanky ballroom. Or oh, something. absolutely. I mean, don't we all dress like that? Every day. Yeah. You you two are, are segueing so cleanly into what sort of my lead-in question was going to be before we talk about who the best Bond portrayer is and talk about what makes James Bond and what makes a Bond movie. Obviously, we're talking about some of these scenes. You have to have the, the obligatory Q gadget scene. There needs to be flirtation with Money Penny, right? There needs to be some sort of uh, light headbutting with M handfuls of sexual escapades because <laughs> it's a James Bond film. What else does a Bond film need though, in your opinion, to, to land? I was just going to say instinctively the, the, the pan of the, uh, the, the reticle the across the screen. Yeah. The, the scenery, I mean, you know, the part of the allure of James Bond is, is that he's going to Monte Carlo, he's going to Paris, he's going to Cairo, he's going to exotic locales everywhere africa you name it china whatever the case wherever he goes you know it, it's it's gosh i mean isn't that part of the allure of james bond is to be a world traveler like that too i think another thing that's quintessential to james bond is you know when he's doing like the actual spy stuff he's really suave and he knows what he's doing for the most part or he has to think on his feet and he, he usually comes up right but there's also that moment where like the or the drink order things like that that's not really necessary james bond is cooler than you he will always be cooler than you i think you know there's that and then he can do it he can even do it you know down in the dumps too where like uh i think it's in skyfall where at the beginning he's doing like the drinking contest with a scorpion on his hand and of yeah. course he's the best at it and that's yeah. what james bond is he's the best at anything he tries and he's the coolest at it as well he's kind of like superman in that way but i would say Bond, the thing that, and we know how much I hate Superman, but the thing that sort of differentiates him is Bond also gets his ass kicked. <laughs> like <laughs> Bond is always, he's, he's good. He's suave. He's a sharp shooter, but he always like, he's always on the brink of it not working. You know what I mean? I think uh, Daniel Craig epitomized the role of James Bond getting his ass kicked more than any of the other characters. But at the same time, James, uh, Daniel Craig, 
he intensified the role of James Bond. The actors before him, I, I don't recall in my memory of them being as, in, as beat up as Daniel Craig, or and he, he seems to be more intense. The other ones were more sarcastic, had a little bit more, they were a little bit more blasé about their predicaments. Yeah. I mean, certainly some of the Bond films, Bond is almost cartoonish. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's like the, the Roger Moore and the clown outfit, I think, is a really iconic one, right? Yeah, I mean... Again, some of the storylines with Pierce Brosnan come to mind too when you think about cartoonish. According to the history of the film uh, that David Niven was in, that was a parody of James Bond almost. I did, like I said, I didn't see it, but um, I think on the other characters, Pierce Brosnan, I recall uh, from his days when he was, uh, I think it was an NBC detective show, Remington Steele was the name of yeah. it. And he he was his his role as Remington Steele was so similar to Roger Moore as James Bond. It was almost like you were watching James Bond every week. It was like an audition. Exactly, exactly. So the humor is evident in I think all of the characters, even Sean Connery. I mean, he had his quips. Exactly, exactly. You know, innuendos is what the word I was looking for. I have a theory. There's this talk nowadays of like dad jokes and dad humor, and it's almost always like wordplay and puns. Mm -hmm. I have a theory that that was started by the James Bond movies and like a generation of men who grew up watching James Bond and thinking he was really cool. And that's <laughs> and that that sort of tongue in cheek sense of humor or like wordplay is what has created the dad joke. Because I mean, Charlie, maybe cor correct me if I'm wrong. Do you feel like your dad made jokes like that, that were puns or wordplay, or is this, maybe I'm just making that up, that that's not a... No, because, but my, again, my dad was born in 1920, so his influences would have been more along the lines with, oh, I don't know, uh, Bing Crosby or, or sure. uh, Danny Kay. They were, my dad was a very musical uh, person, and, and he had a great sense of humor, and he loved to tell a joke. But he never he would never uh, present anything any sexual innuendo whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I think that's just a sign of the times. I I also think uh, just looking at the history of James Bond, a couple of little fun facts because that's what we do here. Sir Ian Fleming is the author that created the James Bond character and wrote you know scores of novels about him. And uh, Ian Fleming was Secret Service, or the, you know, he was a com Naval Reserve Secret Service for the British military, kind of like a Navy SEAL, but also kind of like a spy. And he also, his brother was a similar sort of commander. Um, so you know, they're they're sort of his his experiences as a Navy intelligence officer, his brother's commando experience. There's some people that are named as as inspirations for James Bond, one of which is Christopher Lee, which I always think is really interesting. Sometime Dracula. we should do we should do an episode on Christopher Lee because he had one yeah. of the most interesting lives. Well, I, he was one of the most intense Draculas. I mean, because I saw his films, the Hammer films in the theater. And yeah, man, those were scary films. And I I would say just as a little quip to kind of give you a, some insight into Christopher Lee. He played Saruman in the Lord of the Rings films. And there's, yes. And there's this scene where he gets, Saruman gets stabbed in the back. And uh, Peter Jackson, the director, tells this story of how they filmed this scene several times. And, and he kept directing Christopher Lee to give him more. Give me more out of this death. You know, make, really sell it. And Christopher Lee kind of took him aside and said, Peter, I have to respectfully disagree. I know the sound a man makes when he gets stabbed in the back, and it's not <laughs> it's it's not this sort of cartoonish. And Peter Jackson just kind of gives him a knowing look and says, All right, we'll do it your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's off topic. One other or two other fun facts. One, James Bond was an ornithologist, a bird, a bird scientist. Wow. And that's where Ian Fleming got the name James Bond because he thought James Bond was such a cool name, but it was associated with kind of a wimpy profession or, or, you know, a reserved profession. Right. And he also, Ian Fleming's description of James Bond was that he should look like Hoagie Carmichael, the like lyricist and jazz pianist and singer. Just an interesting fun fact. And looking at a picture of Hoagie Carmichael, I would actually say Daniel Craig probably looks the most like him 
or vice versa, whatever you want to say that. Um, but anyway, so I think now is the time, gentlemen, where we make the case for who we think the best Bond is and why. And obviously there isn't a right answer here. We've talked about it a little bit, but um, who who the best Bond is, I think, I having talked to each of you separately, I think we're all going to weigh in on different people. So, um, Charlie, why don't we start with you? Who do you who do you think of as the best Bond or who is the the most Bond to you? I'm only going to be able to give you the long answer, and that's because I, I really struggled with this question. I mean, we're on a talking show, so you should give me the I long know. answer. <laughs> so the long answer for the most intense is Daniel Craig. I think without a doubt he he deserves a, a significant achievement for his portrayal because he brings together, you know, his physical appearance, his strength, his his facial portrayal of the character and his his uh even the tone of his voice i think he's just and and he's got again, like a smoldering personality he is with that i mean he, yeah. he is just one one bad dude and he also i think he he his roles have personified the grief that comes with being james bond you know the loss that he had i think they you know they shared they did touch briefly in one of the films that he was james bond was married uh, I think it was in one of the Craig films, but now I'm, I may be wrong. To this day, my favorite, and it's because I, I, I was introduced to the full James Bond treatment, and that would be Roger Moore. And the reason I, I think Roger Moore is of that, of that generation, that era of James Bond, is he was sexy, he was funny, um, he was, he was uh, always groomed impeccably, you know, come on, Jane Seymour is one of the Bond girls. I mean, you know, it was just just an exciting film to watch. Pierce Brosnan uh, was a, a transitional James Bond for me. I think he, he nobly picked up the role and carried it and went with it. Um, but again, as I said, he, there wasn't much difference between his portrayal of Bond as there was of his portrayal as the fictional character Remington Steele. He didn't bring a whole lot new to the... Party. No, he really didn't, you know, and and of course, you know, Sean Connery was a generation before, you know, well, he was two generations before me, but his Bond films was a generation before me. So the the allure of Sean Connery, uh, I admired his his acting, I admired the films, but they didn't excite me in any way like they did when Roger Moore did it uh, as as an adolescent and as a teenager for me, and then of course. In later years, Daniel Craig, uh, I guess that answers my question. I think overall, Daniel Craig for me is the best Bond ever, but the most entertaining, I would have to say, for me personally was uh, Roger Moore because I grew up with him as as the character from the TV show, The Saint. And so it was good to see him again on the big screen as a, as it was when he was on, the, you know, on television as a role as The Saint. First of all, Roger Moore had the most films. He portrayed he has portrayed Bond more times than anyone else. So I think yeah. that's worth noting. Well, I think, you know, he also uh, for me he portrayed the the role as not only of James Bond but also as a commander in the Na in the Royal Navy. Yeah. Uh he he just he wore his tailoring very well is what I wanted to say. I I was going to say so kind of thinking about Sean Connery, a lot of people go to him as, I mean, he is the classic Bond, right? He was the, right. he was the first in some ways that he was the most iconic, but I would agree with you that I never felt like he brought in that, the military service of Bond very yeah. well. And I think that's yeah. a key part of Moore's portrayal and of Daniel Craig's portrayal, right? Is that there is something military about them. Yeah. And Craig for me portrays the modern military as opposed to, Roger Moore portraying the traditional military that we we all grew up with, that we all identified with. If you think about the behavior and dress of a police officer growing up and coming to today to in 2021, you went from a public servant, almost like a, a postal worker, fireman, obviously police officer role to that today of a, a Navy SEAL or a commando, their, 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 their behavior, their, their, their dress, 
their mannerisms are a lot more intense. And I think in a lot of ways, James Bond, you know, the, the history of, or the films mimic that change. A, 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 to comment on a couple of things, Pierce Brosnan, I think, and Chops, you and I talked about this a little bit before, Pierce Brosnan was a fine Bond, but most of those movies were bad. Yeah. Yes. And and so yeah. he he never really had a chance to be the best Bond because by and large those movies were not good. <laughs> no. And it's a shame because he might have the best titles. That's another cool thing about Bond is how they're not called James Bond and then the title like they're just yeah. these titles. And I don't know, you go through you know Golden Eyes sort of run of the mill but then Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day. I think those ones are pretty cool and there I mean there are, are lots of cool ones in the series but i it's a shame because he's got these great titles but then you throw in what was it denise richards was a was a, a scientist, scientist with, yeah with the last name christmas and the it, there's that scene where is he on ice or something but he's on like a it's not a parasail it's like one of those surfboards with the sail on it yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like sliding down and like it's just the worst green screen ever <laughs> and that's just a that's just their problem because like that happened in that time period that people were getting a little too overzealous with the uh with what they could do with cgi and green screens but i think they brought it a little bit better back down to earth to in the daniel craig versions and that's why they look you know just the look they look like much better movies yeah yeah the cinematography is the word i was looking for earlier for yeah uh the the daniel craig films and i think the daniel craig doesn't rely the those films didn't rely on the villains like Jaws, I'm trying to think he played Lurch in the original Adams Family. There were villains in the Daniel Craig films, but I think the they weren't as, as uh, we didn't ident Richard identify Keel, with them. <laughs> Richard Keel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, one last kind of point to, uh, Charlie, some of the notes you hit. George Lazenby, one, he was in one Bond film, and one right. of the reasons it's agreed that he didn't last is because he was so like homicidal brought no warmth to bond. And a lot, you know, in that movie bond is, is setting people on fire and like yeah. throwing guys off of trains with glee. And even though bond, obviously, you know, some of the things that make bond films memorable are the memorable deaths and the memorable ways in which the bad guys get knocked off you know, that can go too far in the other direction where Bond is like the villain. And in that movie too, you were talking about Bond getting married. That's Sean Connery's Bond and you only live twice. He's married at the end of the film and drives off. And then in the next film, Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby sort of has no feelings about the fact that his wife dies horribly in the very first shots of the film. You know what I mean? So yeah. you have to be able to bring some humanity to it. I think it's interesting, though, Daniel, that none of us have brought up Timothy Dalton. Yeah. I, well, a question with Timothy Dalton that pops into my head, and you guys can speak on this probably more, I because you, you do this thing when you're ranking you know, sports teams, and you kind of scrub through, like, is this team better? Okay, I think they're better, so you put them above the ranking. So I'm like, looking at Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig's a better actor than Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And I would probably think he's a better actor than most of the guys on here, but it's really hard for me to speak on Sean Connery and Roger Moore. And then Timothy Dalton stands out to me as somebody who wasn't a great Bond, but is probably still a pretty good actor. I, I was just going to say, I think Timothy Dalton's a fine actor, uh, but yeah, he was not fair, very impactful in those roles. Yeah. I don't know what the training, I mean, the, I, I think the legend of Sean Connery is that he was a milkman, I think. And he was discovered by a, a talent scout or something. I don't know what the story is, but I, I imagine they're all classically trained in one way or another. You know, I, I, I always thought that Roger Moore was not a great actor, but he's so likable as that character yeah. that you can, I mean, I, I, again, I'm not a, a student of acting and I'm certainly not a, uh, uh, someone who could teach acting. So, but my instincts were if, if you were to evaluate the acting skills I think Mark hit it right on the head. I think Daniel Craig, uh, you know, did a superb job. is is a, is a great actor because I've seen him in other films, and you know, he's a likable actor. Roger Moore is still in my heart, you know, right there as one of my all time favorites. But if you looked at him as an actor, I don't know how he would be graded by the pros. Yeah, 
Chops, what about you? Where do you, I mean, I think we're getting a, a sense of where you fall on the, on the James Bond ranking, but uh, weigh in for us. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I've really ever dove quite into the Sean Connery and Roger Moore ones. I will say this, the even, yeah, when you started it with the with the accent and everything, like Sean Connery does stand out to me as like the James Bond. Um, but Daniel Craig, I mean, that it, it seems like we're, it kind of runs into one of those cultural things where similar to like the, what's the best SNL cast, right? Everybody just likes the one in their formative years. So like Daniel Craig just stands out to me. See that first one when I'm in sixth grade and then subsequent years now, all the way into adulthood. So growing up with that, that's, that's my guy for bond. You were, we were talking earlier about like how Bond always gets his ass kicked. And uh, I think it was Charlie brought that up that Daniel Craig is the one who really epitomizes that. And I mean, it stands out to me in Casino Royale with the wicker chair yeah. where they cut out the seat of the wicker chair and they sit him down there pantsless and the guy with the rope and he keeps slamming it up in there. And that's the, that stands out to me as like a, a, a solid Daniel Craig portrayal of just being like completely down and out and then finding a way to, to still, Save the day. But yeah, Daniel Craig stands out to me as the one. The Pierce Brosnan ones never drew me in when I was a, a younger kid. And so Daniel Craig, yeah, he hit that, he hit that nail on the head for me. Um, It's obviously, you know, you're talking about the bond that you grew up with is probably the bond you like best. And as I mentioned, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Pierce Brosnan, but, but I mean, I wouldn't rank him any higher than other James Bond actors in that sort of C tier, right? <laughs> he, he was fine. The, most of the films weren't great. You do have to have a special affection for Sean Connery and, you know, bringing to the role what he did. But I guess the consensus of this episode is going to be that Daniel Craig is the best Bond. <laughs> um, I actually came in thinking I was going to need to defend Roger Moore. So Charlie, thank you for, for taking that mantle off of my shoulders. <laughs> As a, as a sometimes overlooked Bond, but Daniel Craig certainly he brings the intensity. He he looks like the Bond that Ian Fleming envisioned. He brings that that emotion to it, but also s simultaneously brings the cold the appropriate coldness. Right, the kind of person who ha who knows they have a job to do and they're going to get it done no matter what the cost. It also helps that you mentioned Roger Moore has the most movies, but when we are conceptualizing this we're like well who's been bond the longest and because of especially with no time to die being pushed back multiple times because of the pandemic he has the longest stretch so i'm sure that helps him cement himself in some people's ratings because for a lot of people daniel craig has been bond for for me i mean practically my whole life yeah the other thing i wanted to comment on is is and i, I you know i don't mean to sound like a, a cruel or, or an unkind person but overall the Bond movies, none of them were really that great. <laughs> I, yes, thank you. Again, I think if you want some soul-reaching film, none of these are going to fall into that category. You know, it's funny though; they sell tickets because, boy, we all like to go see them. While we're still talking about Daniel Craig, even he, yeah, even as good as he is at Bond, not all of those movies hit it completely out of the park there. It's so hard to be a prisoner of the moment with yeah. to not be a prisoner of the moment with movies because they look they do look the best. That's for sure. And the the special effects are the best. And um, but there is something nice about the the campy feel of of the older ones, as you mentioned, like the the really over the top villains and stuff. And basically oh, for sure. the big ones, they just throw like a scar on the guy's face and they're like, that <laughs> yeah. makes him a Bond villain. So they there's no one of the movies that hits all the things I feel like perfectly but because of modern technology daniel craig's look the best i would make one argument which is that i think okay. there is one exception to the rule for bond films aren't that great of films and i think most of them are run-of-the-mill action films and most bond villains are forgettable and i will tell you the one exception to both of those rules in my opinion is skyfall which i think is the best james bond movie hand over fist I well, do like how Skyfall becomes like a not James Bond movie at the end. I think that's a really cool like twist to it. The Daniel Craig James Bond and maybe the other James Bond have some of this, but he almost has like a Batman arc. You were mentioning how he's kind of like Superman, yeah. but Daniel Craig's James Bond feels kind of like Batman with his backstory and everything. Yeah. 
Well, they didn't. They didn't get real into Skyfall as far as their history. I mean, they get they, you know they they were in it, but they never. They don't beat it. Uh, got to death. into it like you know Superman or Batman rather. I, I want to add to your your thought though with this is that for me, Skyfall was most memorable because you know they killed Judy Dench. Yeah. You know, but I have to say, of all the films that I can recall seeing probably the most intense i think in in a sense beautiful supporting character was eva green yeah in casino royale i i would agree with you that it's it's also way up there as far as bond films i mean it's a it's yeah. a great portrayal by everyone involved oh i i just you know her death was it, you know i was you know obviously you know it's 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 entertainment but she was a beautiful character yeah on one last note on Skyfall, that's the Adele song, right? Correct. Hard yeah. to get yes. better than having Adele do the song. So for a James Bond movie. Uh, now, I was ready, guys, for this. If you brought up music, yes, and this is take it away because this was my next question. <laughs> okay, well, go back to Live and Let Die. You can't beat it. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk, and I'm glad you you got there, is. Tell me another film. First of all, the James Bond series of films is the longest running series of films ever, period. But tell me another film series where every single movie gets whatever the hit act of the day is to come in and record the theme song. And that's as iconic as anything else, right? People. I think that's part of their formula. It's, yeah. it's you can't you can't make a Bond film without having a spectacular opening song. Absolutely. Now, I don't I don't necessarily like all the opening songs. Uh and I don't remember any of the opening songs Sean or Connery. I mean, I, oh, I don't know if that was Surely you remember uh well, some right, of them. Thunderball with Tom Jones. Yeah. I mean, he that was as campy as they get. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say you it's hard to I mean, I wouldn't call Goldfinger the best Bond song, but boy, I mean, no. Shirley Basie is very memorable. Was that Shirley Bassey or was that uh, Goldfinger, Shirley Bassey, and um, Diamonds Are Forever with Shirley Bassey? You got to think whether, again, whether you consider them the best ones. You have people like Paul McCartney. You have Carly Simon with Nobody Does It Better. You have Sheena yeah. Easton, Duran Duran, um, Tina Turner, and of course, more recently, you know, you have Adele. You have Billie Eilish. You have. Jack White and Alicia Keys doing them. Whether you like them as music or not, there's always a really, there's always a, a unique Bond theme. And you always know that first time you hear it on the radio, whether it was announced as a Bond song or not, you always know, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just iconic, right? I yeah. So I would say, you 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 say um, Live and Let Die, I mean, that's hard to compete with, but Chops, of the Bond films themes with which you are familiar which one sticks out to you i mean i started it off i have to go with skyfall yeah. adele she's she's the top of the game and i feel like that's something that also goes with like the the bond when you were growing up is you know because younger people are seem to be you know more inclined to be into the the current music trends right and so that's probably something that strengthens that you know no pun intended bond with the movies of the time when you're growing up yeah, I like Adele, but I hope they don't sound too critical. I, I identified Skyfall like I did um, Thunderball. I, I think she she just sang it at, at cheesy, put everything in she could to sing it because it was a James Bond song. Yeah, I think nobody does it better. And Live and Let Die, the artists themselves shines carried through. Their, they, they really shined on those film on those songs. Yeah. I would I I agree with that. I think those are two of the songs that it's clearly it's a it's a Bond song, but also like yeah. it's the it's definitely the take of a great musician on a Bond song. I will say um, one of the best sleeper Bond themes, like one that you don't think of, but is really good. Go listen to it when you're done here. Is the theme for Tomorrow Never Dies by Sheryl Crow? If you heard it, you would have no idea it's Sheryl Crow. But she right. sings the hell out of that song. <laughs> wow, I never. Um, you know, it's interesting. I don't. I. I, I couldn't. I don't remember it. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was. We were doing a road trip. I don't know. This is a year or two ago, 
and just decided on the road we were going to put on the Bond theme playlist on Spotify, right? And we're just going to listen to all of them. And there were a, there were several in there that I was like, oh, I'd completely forgotten about that one. But that that was the one that came on and I went, I don't remember this song at all. I know Tomorrow Never Dies was a Bond movie. I remember the, the title. And I was like, who is singing this? And when I was was revealed that it was Sheryl Crow, it just like, it blew my mind. Because like, I didn't know Sheryl Crow did a Bond theme. And I didn't know it was her even when I heard it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You were talking about, I think Mark was alluding to, you know, in some ways within the series by actor, some of the films get a little tired and they get a little passing grades. Yeah. And then I was looking at history of Bond songs and then, and I forgot, but I can, I can sing, I can hear her sing it is uh, Sheena Easton. Yeah. And that was so, she was so popular in the eighties. Right. But I have to laugh because she sang for your eyes only but one of the most annoying songs you could ever hear is my baby takes the morning train. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is the rest of the artists that did these songs, I don't remember any annoying tunes. I'm sure they're out there. Of course, you know, sure. Well, Ebony and I are is, is, is a lot of people might don't like that <laughs> one, you know, but you know, You're, no, your point's well taken. Yeah. I'm springing this one on you. But I sprung the, I was going to spring the favorite Bond theme and you guys are all over it. So best Bond villain. We didn't talk about the villains during what makes a Bond movie, but as over the top as a James Bond film is, it always, it's almost always because of the villain, right? They're the ones right. that are, have the, the, the scheme that is hard to conceive of. So who's the best James Bond villain? I'm going to let uh, Mark's answer first because I have a wise ass remark. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not a student enough of the Bond movies to really pick one. I would say, what's his name from uh, No Country for Old Men? Uh, Javier Bardem. His Bond villain stands out to me. And then he, ha he has like the jaw that he takes out and his like face collapses yeah. and everything. That one stands out from the Daniel Craig ones for me. Well, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned the scene. I would agree with you. Javier Bardem certainly is one of the best. You mentioned the scene specifically earlier of Le Chiffre, Mads Mikkelsen, just mm -hmm. walloping Bond in the crotch with that knotted up not, nautical rope. And his is cool because you get the they're playing poker right. against each other earlier in the movie and stuff. So that is a cool like dichotomy for that villain and how they meet. It's an argument for, I think in, in a lot of the films, unfortunately, the villain, the casting of the villain isn't thought of nearly as much as the casting of anyone else, which is silly, yeah. right? They've, they've done a better job in the, in the Daniel Craig era of really thinking about who they're casting in those roles, I'd say for the most part, at least. But certainly, in, those are two really good ones. Charlie, what about you? Well, you know, my, my all-time favorite, if, you, if you'll allow me to edit, villain is Dr. Dr. No. Yeah. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. I'm I'm getting confused here. Forgive, forgive. Doctor Evil. Yeah. Doctor Evil. <laughs> well, I I was gonna say we would be remiss not to mention Blofeld, right? The head of Spectre, upon whom Doctor Evil is is based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Herve Velich has, uh, he while he wasn't the the best the the chief villain, uh, how can you not like uh, like his character? Uh, fresh from Fantasy Island with with uh, Ricardo Montalban, yeah. you know. <laughs> My wife hates Christopher Walken, and he had his assistant villain was Grace Slick, the black model. Yeah, you know. You know I I don't know if you would say I, I I'm 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 probably avoiding the term best, and 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 going with most memorable. I'm and I'm cheating here, guys, because I'm looking at the screen, but. The, the two characters, Yapit Kido and Jeffrey Holder from Live and Let Die. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Holder may, was, was famous for the the 7-Up commercials. These are cola nuts. <laughs> These are uncola nuts. And, they, you know, he sh he's showing a lime and a lemon for 7-Up, for you know, and then he, but he laughs like he did in the villain in Live and Let Die. And Yapit Kono was, was, he was a great villain. I mean, he was very, I think he was more of a modern villain along the lines of what we le later saw with uh, the Daniel Craig films. And, you know, he was a drug villain. I remember that, yeah. you know, Christopher Lee, uh, 
I mean, the man, the man with the golden gun, like, yeah, right, that's a, but, iconic. But he was scary for me because he was Dracula from the Hammer films, you know? Right. I'm just looking at all these villains. I mean, they're, they're, they're Richard Keel, you know, he's, he's, uh, he had two roles. He had Jaws, and I'm looking here, Carl Stromberg. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the distinction, but I always remember him as Jaws because of Lurch. Right. Telly Savalas was Blowfield in her Majesty, Majesty Secret Service. You were you were talking about uh, my my favorite Doctor Evil. Yeah. You know, a Golden Eye villain. I I I recognize the face, uh, and his name was Alec Chavela. Oh, that was the character. Yeah. Sean Bean Sean is Bean. the character. Yeah, but what, he was more famous in other roles, and I can't remember what it was. Well, Sean Bean has become more famous since then for The Lord of the Rings and for Game of Thrones. That's it. He was Aragorn, wasn't he? He was Boromir, and and it, and this is oh, one of the first. He, this yeah. is one of the first movies. Are you familiar with the trope that Sean Bean dies in everything he's in? No. So, which is almost exclusively true. He dies more more times in his films than I think any other actor. And okay. I believe Goldeneye is one of the early instances of him ha- like having to die in a movie. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at the, all these actors who have portrayed these villains. You, you had mentioned, Mark, I think No Country for Old Men, which reminded me of the other actor. Oh, Tommy Lee, Tommy Jones. Lee Jones. Yeah, he's in it too. Yeah, he is yeah. in No Country for Old Men as well, yeah. Okay, so I think he had a classmate and it was in Lonesome Dove. The, who was the lead in Lonesome Dove? You're asking a lot of hard questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lonesome Dove. I'm having to oh, Google it. Sorry. Yeah. I, I. Robert Duvall? Wait. Yes. Yes. Why wasn't Robert... Robert Duvall and Gene Hackman, why weren't they ever Bond villains? They were in every other film in America as a significant supporting role, but never a Bond film. That's interesting because there, you know, there's as you're describing, there are actors that in their generation are in everything. Yes. Um, and I always wondered why Morgan Freeman. Well, because he, I guess, he probably didn't want to play that kind of role. But somebody like Morgan Freeman as a like a very intelligent sort of quiet he'd Bond have to villain. Be a, he'd have to be Q. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Because well, we're talking he, about. He, he well, he was Batman's technical advisor, wasn't right. he? Right, yeah. Lucius Fox. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. I think what about a guy who's in everything? What about a Samuel L. Jackson Bond villain? Yeah, why haven't we had that yet? Because if well, he's push... actually the villain in Kingsman. Yes, there we I was, go. I was just yeah. going to say. <laughs> He'd have to be in a more comedic Bond film. He yeah. Couldn't be in yeah. A, and he couldn't be with Daniel Craig. That's a good point. The, the one half of you would be laughing at him because <laughs> it's Samuel L. Jackson. You want to say a Royale with cheese, Mr. Bond. Yeah. You know? And then, yeah. th- th- and they'd have to throw in a joke about snakes on a plane. Bond would be up in in you know twenty thousand feet, and all of a sudden, snakes start slithering out of the overhead compartments. <laughs> yeah, I was watching in honor of you and, and Laura Daniel. I was watching the BBC program Ghosts. Yeah, and we're hooked. We really like it, and it reminded me that you know of this, the American equivalent of James Bond. They tried and failed repeatedly. The Green Hornet comes to mind as 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 the most American-like James Bond, but but he was a self-proclaimed Avenger. You sure. know what I'm saying? The closest uh, American James Bond is probably um, what's the Tom Cruise character in Mission? Ethan oh, Hawke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was gonna say I think that's right. That's the only one that's held on, right? I can I can hum the TV song to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mission Impossible. Yeah. I I would agree with you though that that's the closest they've come, and it's really not yeah. that close. It's just a no. successful American spy franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's be I think isn't that because James Bond and I, and this kind of was my my final question to the both of you is why do these movies keep getting made? Why does this character endure? And I think it is because he's cool. Yeah, but he's also yeah. cool in a sort of reserved way that an American audience kind of can only aspire to be, for the most part. Or though it's kind of like the way people see Americans see British people is like the British accent. Like that, I think this is like a proven psychological thing. Like if you have a British accent, American people think you're smarter. 
automatically. Yeah, I was going to say that the fact that he's James Bond is British, or in some ways you could say European. Yeah. We we tend to think of them as being more worldly and more sophisticated, and the the job requirements would. Uh, Americans are, are blowhards. We're 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 not as sophisticated with the intricacies of the other cultures that are yeah. so close to England. You know, our action heroes aren't going to go in and pretend to play poker with the villain and try to learn no, more about him. You know, He's just going to pl- run in and punch him. <laughs> yeah, Clark Kent could not pair off very well with some French guy. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it just doesn't. I don't think it flies. I, and I would say too the sort of ideal of the spy is, and I'm generalizing big time, right? But the ideal of the spy, especially in the cold war era, which we're, we've not talked about the fact much that this was a film franchise born out of, out of the cold at war era and born out of Absolutely. a world war two veteran. Look like looking at the cold war and putting it in that lens. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, come on, you think about the OSS and the, and the, and MI five, they got, they earned their, there's stripes in World War II. And then the OSS, of course, now is the CIA. I mean, uh, they throw in Felix. What's his Leiter, name? Felix, Felix Leiter. Yeah. He gets thrown into a Bond film every now and then as homage to the CIA, you know. Uh, but And without without spoiling too much about the most recent film, No Time to Die, Felix Leiter makes an appearance in there and is a terrible spy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he leaves his, he accidentally leaves his cigar ashes all over James Bond's villa and, and Bond knows immediately that Felix has been there. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think he was, he was never meant to be as sophisticated no. as James. You know, I, I think that's the point, right? Is that the American cousins never are. I forget the name of, of the, the actor who portrayed Felix in live and let die but my memory of him was he was the captain in voyage to the bottom of the sea which was a tv program and it was a submarine and they had these really campy scenes where like a giant octopus would surround the ten- would put its, its tentacles around a submarine and shake it up and they go out to the wide shot and it would be a toy submarine with yeah. a rubber fake exactly yeah it. but but uh, the captain of that vessel was the guy that portrayed Felix in uh, lighter in, in uh, live and let die. And that, again, that that's what made it so entertaining is bringing, bringing back some more of these uh, comfortable, familiar actors from our earlier years. Uh, David Hedison. I'm cheating, but that's who the actor is. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't the, the Admiral. I remember the Admiral was a redhead. I don't remember who it was. But... I, I will say too, and I'll make one last allusion to no time to die. I think it's interesting in in that this film and in a way that they haven't done so much in the other films there is this recognition of the sort of old guard you know it's been brought up in a lot in several of Daniel Craig Bond movies like the the enemies aren't the same as they used to be they are now way more sophisticated we can't just send a, a guy with a gun most of the time you know they're on they're in the cloud and and no time to die has a several sort of moments with daniel craig as bond and m and felix lighter and you know some of these characters that it's very much like to, to quote uh danny glover i'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it's and i think it's interesting it'll be interesting too does that is does that spell doom for the future of a bond franchise where 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 Bond is a relic in a lot of ways. I think it does in the sense that that we, we want to avoid being Islamophobic and the cold while the Cold War is gone and and, and we have uh, heightened tensions with both Russia and China uh, in 2021, because of 9/11, the villains in the in the modern, novels, spy novels, and, and international espionage are all Muslim extremists, I should say, you know. And I don't see James Bond, I don't see the company going going in that direction. I can't, I don't think it would be wise. Uh, yeah, I, that's interesting, right? Because Bond films for a long time, with exceptions, but for a long time, they have picked villains who do not have a sort of a flag that they fly. Uh, that well, they, no, the villains right? are all for themselves. They want 
world power only for themselves for an organization or they want money yeah but but it becomes harder and harder to make villains like that and to to find these tropes that haven't been tread or over tread before without getting into the hacker or the i mean our modern villains by and large are are hacking social media and stealing bitcoin (laughs) and it's hard for james bond to deal with things like that right do you take yeah. the villain to what those, those villains you mentioned are going after? Maybe the next James Bond villain is the world's foremost billionaire and he has something else planned on top of that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You almost take a, a Steve Jobs like character or a. Uh, uh, like a Bill Mar- Gates. Like a Mark Zuckerberg yeah, is probably Gates. the best one, right? Yeah, that? that's a good one. Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook. Well, see, I, I, I avoid even learning about that guy because I'm not, it's not my cup of tea. Given, but my, yeah. yeah. It, is there, is there, is it an oxymoron to say a sexy uh, computer specialist? I don't know. No, I think in <laughs> fact, uh, we, we talk a lot about, I mean, we talk about a lot of pop culture Yeah, and more and more, the villain is always technology in, in these yeah. films, right? Is the next bond villain an AI? Ooh, Maybe it's Algy Rhythm from Space Jam: <laughs> New Legacy. Oh boy! Hey Charlie, uh, don't waste your time. If you, you if you haven't heard our episode on Space Jam: A New Legacy, don't waste your time on it. Um, I, I wasn't planning on uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> you have good taste. I mean, I grew I my, my era with MJ and LeBron is great, but come on, you know. <laughs> man we should we should have had you on for that episode that because that yeah. would have been an, a, a, a charlie williams chicago guy full and uh, through and through okay so i'm gonna quickly summarize best modern or or i'll give daniel craig number one and then i have to go with with roger moore as number two because of my generation and then sean connery and then the rest they fall where they do i i would agree with that ranking I don't have a problem with that ranking either. All right, we've settled it. Brush your hands off, boys. We've, we've done our day's work. So for those fans of you two, uh, they now know who the number one and number two Bonds are. But for the rest of the world, I'm sure they have their own opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we'd love to know what your opinion is. If, you know, those of you out there listening, you can let us know by finding us on Twitter. Our handle is nerdassoc, that's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can write in to us at nerdassoc at gmail.com. Let us know uh, what you want to hear us talk about in the future. Or maybe even uh, give us a, a, good enough show and I, a good enough show idea and you can come on and be one of our nerds like Charlie. Uh, Charlie, want to thank you again for joining us uh, for Nerd Association. A lot of fun. I hope you had as good a time as I did. I did. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. 